Hello, podcast listeners. I'm happy I get to speak with you again because God's word is never going away. It is never going away. You notice the trends with a lot of these news people, these uh, journalists, opinionists, they're um, following and their listener engagement rates go up and down based upon what is happening in the news. Sometimes when news is good, they have a lot to talk about. When news is not so good or not so interesting, I would say when news is bad, uh, it's not good. But really, when news is bad, <laughs> that's when they kind of go through the roof. But you see here, uh, you got to understand this. News changes. Times and seasons change. Things change. But the Word of God abides forever. It's unchanging. It's there forever. And it'll never pass away. Uh, heaven and earth may pass away, but God's Word will never pass away. And we don't, uh, we, we don't have no bad news to give. It's all good news. It's gospel. It is good news. It's uplifting. It is refreshing. It is encouraging. And that's why we've created this podcast for you, to be that extra supplement uh, throughout your week and your walk with God. This podcast if you're a new listener, it may take you a while to figure us out. It may take you about three or four episodes to figure us out. There's a lot of great leadership podcasts out there. I, I go over a lot of leadership principles here, but it's really not for leaders, and neither is it you know, for uh, so much just saints, a saints podcast. It's for everybody. I, I'm reaching for everybody. I thought perhaps this podcast would only attract the attention of like hyphen age guys. Uh, but in all reality, it attracts the young, the old guys and girls. Uh, it's a, attracted people who are very dedicated, very spiritual, and then also the people who are uh, constantly struggling, who are still uh, trying to get sober, trying to get the lust out of their eyes. And it's, it's there for everybody. It's there when you need it. It's there when you want it. It's there when you have time for it. And the subject that I talked about last week, I, I, I kind of went into details about an experience that I had in my life uh, with the forces of darkness, uh, particularly a demon that wanted to destroy my destiny, spiritual warfare. And I want to sort of pick up where I left off from there and talk to you about this idea, Satan has asked for you. Satan has asked for you, and it's taken from the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Jesus tells Peter that Satan has asked for you. He wants to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. You know, when, for years, when I thought about demons, devils, and stuff, I thought that, that um, who is texting me? Oh, it's my dad. What is up, dad? I've got a great dad. Love you, dad. So, um, and I used to think that demons only uh, were attracted to people, had one, only, only Satan and demons wanted to have anything to do with people who were into witchcraft. And then I found out in reading the Bible that uh, Samuel gave the world the revelation that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So I realized, well, as much as Satan loves the, the, the witches, 
He also loves the rebellious because, uh, and, and you can say that Samuel says that, the Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, that can be confusing because they're two different things. You know, witches are obviously doing uh, incantations and rituals. Uh, rebellious really don't do that. They're just rebellious. They're, they, just, they just try to lead people astray from the, the authority that's present with any entity. And the reason they are the same is because those, both of those things attract the same kinds of demons. The same demons that love witchcraft, they also love rebellion. They follow both of those things. So I really, you know, went into my early 20s thinking this, that, you know, devils only bother the Ouija board people, or they, you know, really get into the anime kids. Uh, demons love anime. Demons love anime. You're having trouble with demons? Uh, turn off your anime and, and watch the devil get out of your house. They love that anime stuff. Very, very demonic. Uh, there's all kinds of things out there, devices of Satan. And, I, I, you know, we don't have time to go through the whole list, but every once in a while, these little devices, and it's usually some form of entertainment, some form of art, like a music movies that are not so much blatant, open, naked witchcraft or, you know, open rebellion, but they just tend to carry a demonic message. Like, for instance, um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. I don't care how full of the Holy Ghost you are. You read that stuff, adultery will get in your spirit. Fifty Shades of Grey is straight from hell. I'll tell you this. I was walking through uh, a big box store several years ago, and I was just walking through the book section, and I looked up, and as I was walking about 15 yards away, I saw Fifty Shades of Grey. Never seen it, never heard of it. And as I approached it, I literally watched that book move, like away from me as I got closer to it. Like it moved itself down the bookshelf. I just, I didn't, I thought maybe it was sliding, but then I looked, none of the other books were moving, and it maneuvered itself down the bookshelf. It was God's way of letting me know, don't go near that stuff. And so, yeah, I preach against it. And probably... A lot of you listeners know somebody that got into that book, got into those movies, and, you know, abracadabra, you know, hocus pocus, their marriage ended because of adultery. <laughs> Books like that and stuff, things come up that uh, will destroy marriages, they'll destroy homes, they'll destroy your soul. All those things happen. Well, you can get to a level in God where Satan knows he can't destroy you with that type of sin. He tried, he tempted you, and you passed the temptation. But this series that we're talking about here in, in the month of October 2021 is really devils that aren't trying to destroy people with sin, but rather try to destroy them from following the will and the plan of God. It's not so much sin, but it's, as it were, rebellion. It is getting out of alignment with God. It is getting off God's path. It is saying no to his calling. It is rejecting his choosing. That's really where we're at today. You're back here to listen, and I am back here to talk. You're listening to the Justin C. Gleason podcast, keeping God in your pod in the year of our Lord, 2021. Please consider clicking that follow button, leaving us a great review and rating, and sharing this episode with your friends. Also, please think about giving. 
You can give quickly and conveniently through Cash App, PayPal, and Venmo, all at justincgleason.com. Reference the show notes for how to give and my social media and contact information details below. Podcasting is the future. You know, I, I believe we have power over the enemy, and we believe we have power over the forces of darkness, but you have to understand something about Satan. I'm not talking about demons. I'm talking about the Satan, the adversary, that old serpent, the wicked one. You can't just think of him like the, the little demons that possess people, the, the unclean spirits, uh, the, the spirits of infirmity. Uh, the convulsing spirits, the tormenting spirits that actually get inside of somebody. Satan is not that. He's a higher-ranking force of darkness. He's a fallen cherub. He he was uh, created by God. He was something. He has to be viewed differently. And, you know, I love, I I get with preachers that preach against the devil you know, I, I shout and dance with that. I thank God for it. Really, we should be shouting because our names are written in heaven. Because your names are written in heaven, you actually have uh, authority over spirits. That's really what you should be shouting about. Go for what's greater, and that is having your name written in heaven. That's why you've got the authority. But I, some people, the way they talk about how weak the devil is and how mighty they are, a lot of it's pride coming out. And I look at some of these people that really get into how great they are and small the devil is. I, I look at them and I just know that if a demonic spirit appeared to them, they'd tear a back do- a new back door out of the back of their house. <laughs> they'd run out of there so fast, just boom, big hole in the wall. You know, I you really want to be powerful in the spirit. Uh, don't go picking the fight, and don't be uh, the trash talker. Uh, you're not going to win by trash talking. You can't intimidate the devil through that. He doesn't, he's not afraid of how strong and powerful you think you are or how confident you think you are. Oh, no. The devils fear the name of Jesus. The devils fear his blood. The devils fear his spirit. <laughs> Just ask the uh, sons of Sceva. That's right. You go attacking the devil, thinking you know what you're doing. They'll leap on you and you'll be wandering around. Uh, uh, beat up and, and nothing to wear. <laughs> and, and sadly that happens. But no, Satan has a lot of power. He's not presented uh, as only being weak. Now he's been defeated by Christ, obviously, but there is still some power there, believe me. And he's trying to use that power to destroy the call of God on your life. I mean, look at just how Jesus talked about it. He called him the prince and uh, the ruler of this world. Um, that's strong language. Prince, ruler of this world. Uh, Paul calls him the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4. God of this age. Uh, 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 Paul also says, what is he say? Uh, Ruler of the authority of the air. Ruler of the authority of the air, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, he blinds the minds of the, the unbelievers. He, he can hold them in a snare, uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Um, 
You then look at Job. Wow, how about that? Uh, Satan, if he gets permission from God, can take life. He can destroy property. He can inflict with sickness. He can do all of these things. Uh, he can torment with um, his little demons, the demons that are under him, Luke chapter 11. Uh, he can provoke people to do evil deeds, Luke 22. Uh, he can cause natural disasters. He can do all of these things. So he has power. And you notice there, uh, going back to Job, he appears before God, Satan does, and starts talking to him about Job. And he gets God's permission, his permission, uh, to test him with destroying all of these things that God had blessed him with because of Job's sacrifice, uh, the lives of his children, uh, his property, and even his own health and things like that. But then you notice Job, he doesn't rebel. Uh, he rather stays submitted to God, and it all works out for the better for him uh, in the end. You know, this is sort of a mystery to so many people, a mystery to so many people as to why Satan asks God for permission to tempt, to test, to harm, to do all these things to simply get somebody to walk away from God, and God allows that trial and that tempting and that testing. It's a, it's a bigger argument, a bigger situation, a, a bigger thing going on up there in the heavenlies it's a higher realm than us that you and I really have no say so in it at all. But I do know this, that if you will submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. It will happen. And if God wants to test me or try me, it is for a good reason. It's not fun. God doesn't, <laughs> he didn't promise us it'd be fun. It's certainly not a happy time. But he does it as a way to prove who he is to Satan. You know, there's this old vendetta thing going on in the spirit world long before you and I were ever here. But God also gives us an opportunity with these testings and trials to come out of it greater and more powerful than we were at the beginning. Look at Abraham and Isaac after he tested him with Isaac. Look at Abraham's life. It was just like, boom, the blessings, bam. I mean, just life really exploded for him, you know, in his. Um, journey to fulfilling the covenant that God had given to him. I mean, you look at Jesus himself, Satan tempted Jesus himself before the ministry began, before all the great things he did, before all the miracles he did. Uh, he was tempted of Satan, and he withstood that and resisted him, and he came out of that powerful. Came into the city, started preaching, the kingdom of his, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and people did. So, my point in this is saying to you that if you feel attacked by the enemy, and it's not so much temptation to sin, like lust of the eyes and, and drugs and all that, all that stuff that devils do, but really to rebel against the call of God, that's how you know you have got the attention of the spirit world. The angels and demons are talking about you. If you have a call of God on your life and then all of a sudden you begin to doubt that, that's the devil talking to you. And you can't cast out Satan. You can't cast out Satan. You can't cast out Satan because of the authority that he bears. Now, let me explain this to you. Yes, we have authority to cast out demons. And you have authority, yes, over the works of Satan. But Satan himself is a completely different 
approach in spiritual warfare. He really is. Chester Wright has taught this. Uh, and some others. These certain high-ranking spirits, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, they're not really won by casting them out. I don't even think you can. They, you really don't find them possessing people. They possess the air, the spirit world, territories. It's done. You battle them through the authority of Jesus Christ. You take, for instance, uh, you, you look in the book of Jude, it talks about the, the time that Satan disputed with Michael, the archangel, concerning the body of Moses. It's, um, uh, Jude is not quoting from the Old Testament, but actually a, it's a reference from the Jewish Targums. The Jewish Targums, there's a lot of uh, ideas about this as to, as to why Satan was even uh, desiring the body of Moses. And uh, the best idea that I, that I think I come up with is because, you know, God told Moses you would not set foot in the promised land because you did not hallow me in the sight of all the people in striking that rock. Well, you know, the Canaanites believed in necromancy and the raising of the dead and things like that. And I'm, I think probably Satan would have tried to use the body of Moses to tempt Israel with some type of pagan Canaanite sin in bringing his body into the promised land and thus making maybe Israel believe that God's word uh, was broken and prophecy is not true. You know, something like that. But the, the point I'm trying to make is Lucifer, or, uh, Michael did not say to Satan, I rebuke you. Get thee behind me, Satan. No, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Okay? And I think when you're coming against a high-ranking spirit, that's really the best approach that you can do. What you are saying is God's will is against what you want, Satan. God has said and determined something completely different than what you have for me. Satan doesn't do anything without God's permission. That's why Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked for you. He asked for you. Just like Satan was talking to God about Job, the same thing happened with Peter. Satan desired Peter because Peter had a powerful purpose on his life. Peter was the one with the revelation from heaven that Jesus Christ was the son of the living God. The Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, he had insight into the spirit world. Uh, to him, it, it was the one that was promised that upon the rock, God's church would be built and the gates of hell would not prevail. You know, all of these things. Obviously, Peter had a lot of great leadership inside of him. But he had his eye on him because at one moment, Jesus said, I would have to go to Jerusalem and suffer many great things and die. And Peter said, not so, my Lord. And Jesus turned and looked at him and said, Get behind me, Satan, meaning get behind me, adversary. You are not for my will. You are not for my way. In other words, Peter had a rebellious heart at that moment. A rebellious heart at that moment. And that was the moment, I believe, that Satan said, Aha, I can get to Peter. Uh, through his rebellion concerning the crucifixion of Jesus. So that's how Satan works with a lot of people who have a call of God. He makes them question God's will, question God's determination, 
question what God desires. And he doesn't possess, he doesn't oppress, he doesn't vex, but rather he, as Jesus said, sifts as wheat. Sifts as wheat. Sifting wheat back then, the farmers would gather the wheat. They would lay it out on a stone floor and beat the wheat. Uh, separating, what they were trying to do is uh, separate the outer shell of the wheat from the edible part. And after they would do that, as much as they could, they would throw the wheat up in the air so that the rest of the unedible part would separate from the edible part. That's what Satan was trying to do with Peter. Simply separate him from Christ. To pull him up out of God's field and separate Peter for himself. He wasn't tempting him with any great sin. Not tempting him with any great work of the flesh. It was just simply trying to sift him. And you know what I think it ultimately was? For him to walk away from the call of God to be an apostle and to go back to fishing. That's what he was trying to do. That is why he asked for Peter. Because Satan knew what would one day come. Things like the day of Pentecost. Things like walking throughout the streets of Jerusalem in his shadow, casting out devils and healing people. Preaching, teaching, baptizing, laying hands on people, and then, being rece- and then receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. He wanted him to leave the call of God to catch men and go back to catching fish. And he almost did. But you notice when he said, I'm going back fishing, who appears on the seashore? It's Jesus. Uh, the very same seashore that he appeared to him at the first time when he called him. And Peter left his nets and followed Jesus. The very same place Peter reminded him that he had a purpose and a mission. He even had to ask him, test him again, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? God allows Satan to tempt us for these things to give us more power, to give us more authority and more dominion. I've been through it. I talked to you about it last week. Go back and listen to last week's episode. To go kind of deeper into the story of my life from the year 2005 to 2011, you know, I, I had a call on my, of God on my life. I never doubted it during my teen years. Never doubted it in my early 20s when I was in Bible college. But when I came home and actually started uh, the work as a minister, I began as a youth pastor, you know, in church under shepherd pastoral ministry, that's when the doubts came to me. And they weren't coming from me. I did not doubt me. But it was rather Satan tried to get me to doubt me. And he sent a... Horrible evil spirit to do it. An evil spirit that would never face me face to face. It was always in the dark, always while I was asleep, always when I was uh, preoccupied with something else. It would tempt me and insert a horrible, rebellious ideas into my mind. But I withstood it, resisted it, and it took a while. But it eventually left, and I came out of it stronger and more powerful. During that time, I was wrestling with, do I want to do this or not? I had negative ideas, but during that time, I uh, went to work. I, uh, I got a job selling insurance. That was in 2006. 2006, the first full year of youth pastoring. And I sold a lot of life insurance. I did. Um, I actually, actually sold, it was like, in that first year, over 70 policies 
which is phenomenal in a first year. I did really well. I got awards. I was doing really great. But there was something about insurance that drove me nuts. And that was, it was long hours. I mean, I'd get to the office at 8 a.m. and sometimes wouldn't even get home until like 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. I mean, you're always in your car driving from house to house, setting up all these appointments, trying to sell and do this and that. And it was, it was really wearing me out. And I wasn't really selling anything big. It was just a, a lot of policies, but not making a ton of money because it wasn't big accounts. You know, they kept telling me, you know, don't, don't look for, you know, that one, don't be an elephant hunter in insurance business, you know, go for the little stuff, this or that, and collect a bunch of it. And that's how you'll uh, build wealth here in this company. Well, <laughs> I was after getting rich quick and I heard about the mortgage business, you know, uh, one loan, you can make seven, $8,000 on it. I thought, well, <laughs> if I'm going to sell 70 policies in a year, I should try and do mortgages. How much more money could I make? So I quit the insurance business with hopes to do something better in the mortgage world. I mean, I had dollar signs in my eyes. Let me tell you, that's, I was like Scrooge McDuck, you know. I was drunk on my own success. I'm selling insurance here left and right. And I, I believe in life insurance. I got a, I got a life insurance on myself. You should, uh, you should go out and get some. It's, actually, it's a, f- a phenomenal business. It's a phenomenal product. I still believe in it. Phenomenal business. You should have some if you don't know what to do with your life. Try uh, looking into selling it. It, it, it is a, a very good career, very lucrative, and it's a great product. But I left it because I thought I could do more with uh, being a loan officer. And if you remember back in 2007, that was when the housing crisis hit. <laughs> and I really did not count the cost. I quit my job around the holidays in 2006. I thought I'll live on my savings for most of the winter and then and just relax, chill, you know, and then springtime I'll go get me a job as a loan officer. <laughs> and the mortgage crisis hit. I mean, I got hired at a company and in 30 days I pulled credit on over 30 people. Right, because I remember it was like 33, 34. I remember my boss saying that you're pulling credit on one person a day. And you real, and realize this, I could not do one loan for one person that year because of the, of the housing crisis. And my boss said, he said, I've never seen anything like this. He said, you, you should have already uh, closed at least seven of those loans and made a lot of money this month. He said, I've never seen anything like this. Well, I left that company and went to another company thinking I would have something better. The same thing happened. Pulled a bunch of credit on a bunch of people. Nothing happened. The third month, I transferred to another company. Thought it would be a better thing. Same thing happened. Couldn't do nothing for nobody. So in like three months' time, I think I pulled credit on almost 100 people. Literally could not get any underwriting for anybody. I ended up going back to waiting tables. That's kind of what I did all through my teen years, all through Bible college. It's what I knew how to do. And I remember feeling like, like I was so set back. I felt like such a loser, such a small man. Back to serving tables. And I'll never forget that first week I was waiting tables and my old boss <laughs> from that first mortgage company came in there and he looked at me. <laughs> He was kind. He just said hello, but I could read his mind. He was saying, uh-huh, you thought you were amazing. I told you to stay here and wait it out, but now you're here back in the restaurants. But yeah, buddy, you were right. 
It was just a very humbling low time in my life, and I went from feeling like I am great, I'm amazing, and I am better than being a youth pastor, I'm better than being a preacher, I'm going to go far and wide in the business world to I can't be a preacher and I can't be in the business world. I'm nothing but a man with an apron taking orders. And that's what I did for the rest of 2007. 2008 came around, and I got offered a job through a connection in our church, and I was going to be making just a few ticks under six digits. And I took the job. It was a job installing this new technology of water meters all over Kansas City. I'd never done anything like it, but it was one of those jobs, if, if you got the will to do it, you can learn it and be good at it. And so I went for it, very motivated to make money, very motivated to work. I'm 23 when this is going on, 24. And when I walked into training, I sat down. I was full of coffee, full of energy, fully awake. But let me tell you this, that first week, that entire week of training, I could not stay awake during training. I was falling asleep. (laughs) I'd get home and I'd all of a sudden be like awake. I remember thinking, what is going on with me? What is wrong with me? It was absolutely insane. Just would fall asleep, just like sleep would just come to me. And I remember the, my friend next to me from the church, he kept elbowing me like, dude, wake up, wake up. The, <laughs> the teacher, the, the trainer can see you. I'm like, I'm trying. I mean, I would load up on coffee, load up on energy drinks. I could not stay awake. You know, that whole thing fell through. Ended up not working for them. Because I couldn't stay awake. I tried to sell vacuum cleaners. (laughs) I shouldn't say I tried. I actually did very well selling those cleaning systems. I actually made quite a bit of money. And truthfully, it was the most fun sales job I've ever done. I loved going into people's houses and showing them how bad their vacuum was and how dirty their house was. And I mean, I was selling a lot of machines, let me tell you. You know, that didn't work out. You know what worked out? A man of God came to our church, prophet of the Lord. He didn't know anything about me. He came to our, he'd never been to our church before, and he hadn't been to our church since. He came, and in the middle of his message, he turned and pointed to me and read my mail, as some people say. Really, the biblical and the uh, spiritual term is the word of knowledge. And he just went down the line of everything I've been going through. And ultimately, he said, you recently got let go from a job making more money than you thought you could ever make. But he said that was never the job that God had for you. And he just kept going down the line. He said the job that God has had for you is to be full time with this church. I just, and when I looked at him, it was like, it was like I could see fire in his eyes, literally. There was like a flame in those eyes, similar to what I've seen in angels. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Man. I haven't thought about that moment in a, in a long time, and I'm kind of getting overcome with emotion here. Yeah, I was in a dark place. I was being tempted of the devil. I was trying to grow up and mature and to make something of my life 
and I was just struggling, having a hard time finding my place. You want to know why? Because I was distracted and tempted to do everything but the will of God. I was tempted to be a part of something that God didn't have planned for me. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting into production. There's nothing wrong with uh, selling. There's nothing wrong with owning a business and things like that. But if God's will is for you to leave the fishing nets and catch men, you've got to do it. Satan had asked God for the destiny of Justin Gleason. And you know what? He almost got it. But if it hadn't been for the mercies of the Lord, and that financial crisis, the mortgages, all of that, me going to sleep in that class, all of those things, the man of God coming to me, I don't know where I'd be. But during those times of testing, God will help you. And if you will keep your eyes open and look for the signs and look at what is obvious and look at what is clear, you'll see God's will. And I went home that night after that man of God said, it's God's will for you to be full-time at the church. I'd never asked God for that. Truthfully, I never thought it would ever happen to me. I never desired it. And I went home and talked to my dad, and my dad said, Just, you're not going to believe this. But a couple of our board members and I were talking about you going full-time at the church. We need you. It's time. We, we, we need you. I need you. And I end up going full-time with the church. And I'm full-time to this day. I went full-time when I was at a low place. I'd had the rug pulled out from underneath me. I felt like such a failure. I was being attacked by demonic spirits. (laughs) I was being criticized by people who could not get in agreement with my vision for the youth group to move from an entertainment-based youth youth group operation to a spiritual worship service-driven youth group operation. And all kinds of stuff. I felt so isolated and so alone. It was that year, 2008, three years, I'd been home for three years, that I realized, you know what, I've been going through a desert and a time of temptation. Never thought any of those things would ever happen to me, but it was all a part of my journey. And I came out of it stronger and more powerful than I was before. You know, after I went full-time with the church, I, it was like a breath of fresh air for me. I passed the test and was worthy of it. You know what came into my life soon after that? Sister G. (laughs) Sister G came. You know, while I was being tempted, thought I wouldn't amount to anything, questioning all that I had learned and grown up in in the Oneness Pentecostal Holiness Church, being tempted with the emergent church, being tempted with business, being tempted with that. Basically, the devil trying to unwind everything that I wanted to do and wanted to be throughout my life. Thinking that I wasn't meant for anything. God gave me what I was supposed to have and supposed to be all along. And that was to be a Pentecostal preacher. And to be married to a godly woman and have children with her. 
Temptation is not fun. A trial is not fun. But if God said Satan to Satan, go ahead and try it, you better believe it. God is not going to forsake you. But he will be there with you always until the very end. I just feel like somebody's going through like something like that right now. And these things that I'm talking to you all about, I've never... I've referenced it from the pulpit just a little bit, but never in detail. Let me let me tell you this: what I talked about last week and what I'm talking to you about this week. I'm only giving you like two percent of the real story. Maybe we'll give the full story someday, because there's a lot there. Let me tell you: it was dark. I saw some stuff. But I'm just trying to tell you: if Satan has asked for you, he had to get permission. Paul said in Corinthians, we will never be tempted above what we can handle. There will always be a way for you to say no. If you're having trouble finding the will of God for your life, figure out what Satan is saying. That's right, you heard me. Figure out what Satan is saying. Because sometimes it can be difficult to get past our flesh and to see what God is saying. And it can be very easy at times when you're carnal to know what Satan is saying. If you know it's Satan, whatever he is saying, believe the exact opposite. Because the exact opposite is the will of of God. Mm. Satan does this. He gets into the minds and hearts of, of guys and girls who have a call of God on their life. I mean, he's watching. Look at he was watching the twelve apostles. Jesus or Satan knew he couldn't get Jesus in the wilderness, so he went after his disciples. And he got Judas. He did. He got him with criticism, being critical of that woman who broke her alabaster box. He was critical because he was a thief, but he tried to make it all about the poor, all about the poor. Watch out for these people that try to make it all about the poor. Chances are they're probably a thief, some kind of charity scam. But that's how Satan entered the heart of Judas, through the poor, the desires for the poor, all that. And look what happened to Judas. He didn't enter that way through Peter. He entered Peter through pride. He entered Peter and tried to deceive him through his overconfidence in his loyalty to Jesus. And there you have Peter denying the Lord what he said he would never do. He denied him even by an oath and by cursing and by swearing. You know, some people say he used profanity there that moment in the garden. I don't think so. I don't think so. Look at the Bible language. He swore an oath, it says, and he cursed. You know what he he did? In order to make the people believe that he was not with Jesus, he put an oath upon himself and his life probably, meaning he was saying, if I know that man, I swear an oath, may my fishing business burn to the ground. May I die the death of a thousand cuts if I know that man. That's why he went out weeping bitterly, because he knew he bound himself with an oath. That's why Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Don't swear by heaven or by earth or by the throne or by the temple or anything like that, which is what Peter did. He swore with an oath. But there Jesus is with him on the seashore, and he's asking him, do you love me? Do you love me? You know what he's doing? He's breaking the curse he put on its life. When you're being tempted and tested, watch out what you say. Watch out how you think about yourself. You've got to learn to decipher what are God's thoughts, what are your thoughts, and what are the devil's thoughts. 
And when you learn that, you can begin to unravel and decipher exactly where you need to be and where you need to go. For three years, I, I was so blank. It was like, I, I remember having, having kind of like an a epiphany vision during that time. I was sitting at a desk, and in front of me was a blank piece of paper, but on the other side, I could see through it, I could see ink written out. And it was like God is saying, that is my plan for your life. And when the time's right, you're going to get to turn this paper over, okay? Just wait. And I've been able to turn that paper over, only about halfway, not the full page. God will give you a glimpse of what is in store for you when the time is right. If you will learn to trust him, if you will learn to follow him, if you will learn to say no to the temptations of Satan, you're going to come out of this trial stronger and more powerful than ever before. Look at Job. Look how it ended for him. It's amazing. Look at Jesus. He said no to Satan. Look at Peter. He failed, he stumbled, but he ultimately said no. And look what happened. You can read his story in the book of Acts. And then you can look at my story. Mine's not comparable, of course, with Job or Peter or Jesus, of course. But I went from having a call of God in my life to so much passion and fire and so much confidence in it to doubting it all for a time and season. But God sent me a little help. And I saw the light and I followed that light. And Satan left. But you know what? I haven't gotten too comfortable because I know that Satan has an off season. He departs for a season. He'll come back. And when he does, I will be ready for him. I'm Justin C. Gleason. May the peace of God be upon you. May his peace be upon your mind, your heart, your spirit. Don't stop praying. Don't stop giving. Don't stop serving. If you're suffering, learn to do so in silence. Fall on every sword that God gives you. It's for his kingdom. It's for his glory. But just know this. You've got a podcast host that cares about you and is rooting for you. If you want to contact me, uh, get on social media, get on emails. A lot of you have. It's amazing. I've gotten some amazing stories from people that went through something very similar that I did. And I just love these type of stories. But uh, yeah, if you want to talk to me, send me a message. We'll see how we can help you out. This is a very busy time for me, let me tell you this. And and I'll go ahead and tell you this. If, if you're still listening, you're a loyal listener. Some of you only listen sometimes to about 70% of these episodes. But the true loyal uh, Justin Gleason listeners, they listen always to the to the very end. That, <laughs> that outro headbanging bumper music. It's a busy time for me. It's the busiest time of year. We have our Passing the Mantle conference coming up next week. I'm probably not going to release an episode next week. It might not happen, but you never know. You never know. I I try to keep a schedule, but you just never know. But I'm not planning on releasing one next week, maybe one the week after that. And then the first week of November is the uh, expected uh, due date for Baby Gleason number three. So as you can imagine, we are very busy around here. So we'll try to keep the episodes coming to you. But uh, if you're listening to this and I haven't posted anything in three or four weeks, chances are I'm probably okay. <laughs> I'm in just enjoying a new uh, beautiful baby boy. 
And uh, family's important, right? The most important. So if you're listening to this, wondering where more episodes are, go back and listen to past episodes. We got uh, a lot of great stuff. O- over ep- 80 episodes now for you to uh, listen to and to enjoy. It's, uh, we, we base uh, our, our podcast off three things around here, and that is insight, humor, and fire. Uh, some have called it Justin Gleason's podcast as edutainment. We make people laugh. Uh, these past two episodes have not been funny. The uh, demonic attack is not funny, let me tell you. But I, I hope this has blessed you. I hope my, my, you know, I don't talk about myself a whole lot on here. I mostly just try to expound on the word of God and apply it to our lives. But I've just felt to share these experiences with you because, you know, people can really relate to your experiences. I, I've realized that. They relate to real life experiences. So uh, have no fear. God is here. God is here. And I am here for you. So I want to close out doing what Jesus did for Peter. Jesus prayed for Peter, and I'm going to pray for you. Our Lord in heaven, I call upon you, Lord. I call upon your great name, Jesus, right now for these listeners. I pray that your spirit would move and work in their lives, Lord. The hour of temptation is upon us. The devil has not social distanced himself from anybody, but he is after who you have called. He is seeking to devour who you have chosen. And Lord, we can't cast out Satan on our own, Lord. It's, it doesn't work that way. We have to resist him. And he has to be rebuked directly by you. I pray, Lord, during that time, You would give us the strength and the willpower, Lord, to say no to what the devil has offered. Let us, Lord, trust you and trust your will and trust your destiny for us. I pray, Lord, that through mighty signs, Lord, dreams and visions and prophetic word, you would help your people to see what your will and your way is. Lord, I pray your light would shine bright, exposing what Satan is doing in the dark. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would keep your hand upon your people. We love you, Lord. We serve you. There's nobody like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) 